You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Amen. Well, thank you, Robbie. And I also want to say a big thanks to all the guys that uh, were teaching during our Major Keys series. So would you guys join me in thanking all the guys who taught during Major Keys? Um, that was great. And in case you didn't know, it's very important for us to have younger guys coming up and learning to teach, and also our student ministries and children's ministries, and the reason that's important is because we want to pass this message on to the next generation. We don't want our church to just become old and crusty and uh, die out in a generation, right? It's important for us to keep this going. Now, in recent days, I had to do something that's kind of sad. Um, And what it was is that um, I had this old pair of sneakers. They were my old Adidas shell toes, right? And uh, some of you guys can sympathize with me because you know that uh, an old pair of sneakers are comfortable and you love them and you've gone some cool places in your sneakers and it's kind of hard to part with them, isn't it, dude? I mean, it's like, it's like those old boxers that you love to wear. They're comfortable. They may have holes everywhere. It's like those old pair of jeans or an old t-shirt or something like that. It's hard for a dude. Can I get an amen from the dudes, right? Uh, like... And your wives are like saying, honey, please get rid of those things. And that was the situation with me. I mean, I couldn't even do yard work in my old Adidas shell toes anymore. So I had to, it was like having a pet put to sleep. I almost had a ceremony and I had to put those sneakers into the trash and get rid of the old. But the good news is, even as cheap as I am, I got online and I ordered me a new pair of Adidas shell toes that I'm wearing today. And man, let me tell you something. New Adidas shell toes. I don't know what it is. They just do something to a dude, you know? That, they inspire music like Run DMC's My Adidas. Anybody old enough to re- remember that stuff, right? So it's like, I just felt like a new man. I want to wear them every day because they feel so awesome on my feet and they look pretty rad too. So, off with the old, on with the new. And you're saying, what does that have to do with the Bible? Well, it comes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the what? New nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And that's why during this series, our series big idea is that we're going to throw away the old and we're going to put on the new. That's Paul's way of saying repent. Repent is not a real popular word in our culture today, but it's pretty popular in the Bible. And for some of you, I want to ask you this question, what will you do to put on the new you? Because some of you are in a situation right now where you made some poor choices and you're like, hey, Doug, you know, I made my bed and now I'm laying in it and I would welcome a new start. Others of you have gone through something recently. Maybe you've lost someone that you love or you've lost something else in your life and you won't be the same. You don't have a choice anymore because of what you lost has changed your heart and hurt you and wounded you and we wanna help you move through that and become new. But there are others of you, you would say, you know, things are going pretty well for me right now, but I understand that I can't just stay the same. That if you're not growing you're dying. 
it's only natural for your cells and your body to reproduce and become new or you're getting a disease, you're dying, see? And we want to change. I want to change during this series. I want to become a new man. I want to be a more devoted Christ follower and I want Jesus to know I'll do whatever he asks me to do. I want to be a better husband to my wife and let my lady know how much I care about her, value her, treasure her, and consider her to be my queen. I want my kids to know how much I love them and I want to train them up and invest in their lives. I want to be a better pastor for you and better serve this church and people in our city. I want to be a better leader for our staff members here and help them fulfill the dreams and the visions that God has placed in their hearts. So what will you do to put on the new you? And over the next six weeks, we're going to go through the New Testament book of Ephesians, and we're going to show you how to put on the new you. And a lot of new things are happening at City Church downtown, aren't they? I mean, you just heard Robbie say that on 8.20, we're adding an 8.30 service. That is, on August the 20th, we're adding a new 8.30 service. We're moving back into the Cameo. And as we move back into that new renovated facility, I hope that that will be a metaphor or a picture of how we are becoming more devoted, that we're new people as a church, more devoted to Christ than what we've ever been. Now, this week, we're going to start out in our Ephesians study in chapter 1. And I want to give you some background on Ephesus in this part of the Bible. In case you're new to Bible study, you've got to understand that context is king. And in order to understand a book of the Bible, you've got to understand the historical context in which it was written. Now, most of the New Testament, or a lot of the New Testament, are these letters that are written from pastors like Paul, written to the believers who live in a particular city. So Paul was writing to some Christian believers in a city in Asia Minor called Ephesus, and that's why the book is called Ephesians. It's written to the Ephesians. Now, I want you to understand the religious context of the Ephesians. They were worshiping these false kind of made-up gods uh, in their area that were like little statues and things like that. And one of those uh, false gods that the Ephesians worshiped was called Diana, or in some places she's called Artemis. And as you can see on the picture, Diana was a sex goddess. And also you can see on the picture, it was probably hard for her to go swimsuit shopping, you know, to find something that fit that uh, just right. But uh, the worship of Diana involved all sorts of weird sexual practices. But then another god in that region, that area that was being worshipped in Ephesus was called Dionysius. And Dionysius was the god of wine and drunkenness. And as you can see in this picture, uh, Dionysius had a hard time keeping his shirt on like some of the guys at the water parks uh, around here, see? Uh, but worshipping Dionysius and Diana uh, meant it, it involved all kinds of, I guess, pornographic things mixed with religion and vulgar songs and uh, all kinds of strange practices to us. And here's what this did. It placed on the Ephesians all kinds of negative and destructive life scripts. You know what a life script is? It's a script that you've been given at some point in your life that you've embraced in your heart and in your mind. I'll give you an example in my life. When I was a teenager, I was uh, in the garage of a relative of mine, and I could hear these relatives inside the house talking about me through the screen door, and they didn't know I could hear them, and they were talking about me, and one of the relatives said, well, Doug didn't put away my tools again. He's stupid. He's just stupid. 
And I embraced that life script and lived it out in many ways. Has someone ever spoken something on you and you receive a life script? You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You're a whore. Let me tell you about another life script that can happen. Remember when teams were getting picked, playing sports, basketball, soccer, football, whatever, and they're dividing everybody up, and so two captains, right, and they're picking people. You ever get picked last? And that gives you a life script that says, he ain't worth picking, she ain't worth picking. But I want to show you something different in Ephesians today because this book of Ephesians is a great weapon against negative life scripts. And we're going to see today in Ephesians that if you're going to live according to the new you, you can embrace this one simple idea, and it's that he picked you. He picked you. I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them he picked you. Go ahead and give it to them. Good. Now, I didn't just make this up, and this isn't pop psychology, but I got this from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Look at it with me on screen. Even before he made the world, God loved us and what? Chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, when you start seeing in Ephesians stuff about being chosen, and later on we're going to see the word predestined, um, that leads us to think about some theological issues. Now, I'm not going to theologically geek you today and go too far into some of this stuff like I would really like to, but a lot of you would fall asleep. But just suffice it to say uh, that a lot of people on one side of the equation uh, would believe in what's called Calvinism, and Calvinism can be described in an acrostic called TULIP, and it uh, the, just uh, let me summarize Calvinism for you. They're the people that are really into the idea that God predestined everything that's going to happen. So if you stub your toe, uh, if a Calvinist stubs his toe, you just tell him, man, I bet you're glad that part's over with, right? I mean, it was uh, planned in there. But then on the other side of the equation are the people that are called Arminians. And we could go over the points of Arminianism, uh, but in summary, Arminians believe in free choice. Um, it's not so much about God destining things, but it's more about the choices that we make. But what I'll, I think you'll see if you read through the Bible is a little bit of both. You do fr see free choice in the Bible. That's why Joshua said, choose you this day right? We are making choices. That's why Paul says we persuade men. If there's no choice being made, then there's no reason for persuasion, uh, as Paul writes it there. But another thing I think we see in the Bible and in life is uh, predestination. That is the idea that much of our lives are outside of our control. We've received a lot of benefits and a lot of advantages in life that are outside of our control. And I'll tell you, for one, I don't like that. I like to be in control of my destiny. I like my choices to be what guides my life, but that is not always the case. I think that Malcolm Gladwell does a good job of surfacing the idea that a lot of our successes are outside of our control. He wrote the book Outliers, and uh, basically what he says in the book is that a lot of wildly successful people certainly got there because of hard work and good choices, but there were also factors that were outside their control that led to their success. And so one of the examples that he gives in the book is wildly successful hockey players weren't just successful because of their choices and hard work and practice. But he said the number one ingredient in really successful hockey players is that they're born early in the year. 
And you know why that affects their success? Because when they were little, if they were born earlier in the year, they were older and bigger than the other kids, and that had a cumulative effect throughout the rest of their career in hockey. And I don't know a whole lot about hockey, but I do remember Wayne Gretzky. And so after I read the book, I immediately Google, uh, Googled Wayne Gretzky. And you know when he was born? January, right? And I think there are a lot of things in our lives that are way outside of our control that lead to advantages. Those of you who were born in America, that was an advantage, and you didn't do anything to cause that or to deserve that. But let me show you something else from Ephesians here. He picked you for an inheritance. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an what? inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Unfortunately, a lot of people give up the good inheritance that God has given to them in this life and exchange it for a moment of pleasure. It's like the Old Testament character Esau who was really hungry and his brother came to him with a bowl of stew and offered it to him for his inheritance, for his birthright. And Esau unwisely gave up his inheritance for a bowl of stew for a moment's pleasure. And that's what a lot of folks do in their spiritual lives. And I was helped to understand this concept when I read this article in the uh, Huffington Post about a guy named Max Mellinzer. And Max was a homeless guy. He lived in these tattered clothes on the streets, but his brother died, and his brother left him an inheritance of $100,000. And all he would have to do is go from Utah to New York to pick up the $100,000 check of his inheritance. And his relatives wanted him to receive his inheritance check. They wanted him to get off the streets. And they uh, actually bought him a bus ticket to ride from Utah uh, to New York to pick up his check. And they even delivered his ticket to him and put it in his hands. And he was mentally capable and aware and able to make the trip. And his family was waiting at the bus station, and Max never showed up. He never showed up to receive the inheritance that would have changed his whole life. And unfortunately, I think that's exactly what some of you are doing. And look, I'm not trying to be rude here today, and I hope that I'm not overly offensive when I say this, but some of you are wearing your old spiritual sneakers, and you're living a life that's beneath you. It's time to repent and put on the new, your inheritance in Christ. And I know what some of you say. You're like, oh, well, Pastor Doug, I'm a new believer. And after all, I'm on the journey right now. And there's a lot of grace at City Church, right? And you're right, there is. But doesn't Paul also say, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace might increase? By no means we've died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? Let's get rid of the old and put on the new and quit living beneath our privilege, see. Some of us are living in sexual practices and consuming substances that are destroying our lives and giving us a little bowl of stew for a moment's pleasure, and we're giving up the good inheritance that God has for us in this life. And others say things like this, well, 
Pastor Doug, man, the, the allure of it all, the, the allure of that lifestyle, it's just too strong for me. I can't fight it. I don't have the power to fight it. And I would say, yes, you do. I know a thing or two about addiction and struggle and relapsing and all of that, but I also know a thing or two about the Word of God and the power that it talks about here. And I want you to know that all these things are excuses. You have all the power you need to live a life of godliness. Look, he picked you for power. Look at Ephesians 1.18. This is Paul's prayer for you and for me. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people, and his incomparably great, what? Power for us who believe. That power, look at this power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, and authority, power, and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. You know you have all the power you need because you have the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in you to help you change and to help you move forward. I've got this friend who explained to me, you know we are talking about this passage, and he works for a billionaire with a B, right? He's a direct report to a man who is a billionaire. And when he goes into business meetings, people listen to him because his boss, and when he invokes his boss's name in a meeting, people stand at attention and they listen. But he says to me, Doug, what I've realized is that as a follower of Christ, I can invoke the name of Jesus and it's way more powerful than my billionaire boss's name when I speak it and invoke the power of Christ for change in this world. Now, I wanna show you the next thing here in Ephesians that the Paul uses a word to describe being picked by God and it's predestined is the word, predestined. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse five and six. It says, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so what we see here in this text is that we're predestined in love. So it's not about, predestination is not about who's being excluded, it's more about who's being included in love. But you know one of the questions I asked myself uh, when I read passages like Ephesians 1 and Romans 9 and 11 and uh, John 6 and other places in the Bible that talk about election choosing and all this kind of thing. The question that rolled through my mind was, well, how could I be chosen? I mean, I'm just a pretty average guy. I mean, wh why would he choose me? And after all, I'm reading through the New Testament. I'm seeing Jesus is physically there in front of these apostles, and he's saying, I choose you, I choose you, I chose you, you didn't choose me. So why would I be chosen? And maybe you ask the same question. Well, the answer to that question is in John chapter 20, or actually John chapter 17, verse 20. And look at what Jesus says. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. It's not just for the apostles alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You know who that is? That's you. And that's me. 
if we have the capacity to believe in Jesus because of what we read in the New Testament, that is through their message, then you know what that makes us? Predestined to his love. That's who we are. I had a seminary professor uh, who was really good at Greek, Dr. Munn, who explained this to me in a way that was helpful. He said salvation or getting a relationship with God is kind of like a doorway into a room. And when you're walking into that room, there's a sign on the outside of the door that says, whosoever will. And then you walk into the door and you see another sign once you're inside the room and it says predestined before the foundation of the world. And we saw in Ephesians 1 here that in love, he predestined us for adoption. And so there are three things that always go together. Love, predestined, and adoption. You cannot think of predestined without love and adoption. And so that's why I want you to go back to your life script for just a minute. Some of you all too quickly had your life scripts roll through your head, right? I mean, they just came to you because it's a wound still, and it's a way you perceived your personal identity. Well, I want you to see something of who he sees you to be in love and adoption. I brought a picture today of baby Maya. She is a baby who's been adopted by uh, my friends Michelle and Robert, and I always ask permission, you know. I, I text messaged my friend Robert this week to ask if I could show a picture of his beautiful baby, and he immediately is like, absolutely, right? Because he loves his baby, and I follow his wife, uh, Michelle, on Instagram, and I, like, every time Maya pops up, it's like, 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 like. I mean, when you look at that baby, that is a freaking beautiful baby, man. I mean, she is precious in every way. And I want you to stare at her just for a minute. And the reason why I want you to stare at her is because that is a fraction of how God views you if you believed. Precious in every way. In fact, your finite mind does not have the ability to comprehend how much he loves you and cares for you. And did you know that the reason that he created some circumstances outside your control that brought you into this room today is because he wanted to adopt you? You know, baby Maya could not afford what it costs for her to be adopted. Her parents are like, you bet she couldn't afford it. Man, she couldn't even talk, right? Okay, they had to pony up. They had to pay the adoption price to have that precious baby. And there was a price paid for you and I when God allowed his one and only son. Look, I have one son, and I wouldn't give him for any one of you, all of you who are my friends. But God gave his son for people who sinned against him and rebelled against him. That's how much he cares about you. That was the price that was paid for your adoption. And I think it would be completely appropriate right now if you wanted to begin a relationship with this good God who paid such a high price for your adoption. So with that in mind, what do you say? We pray. Let's just bow our heads and Close our eyes before the Lord. 
And as you come before him and you realize, this is my day, I have the capacity to choose a love relationship with God, I want you to talk to him, that's called prayer. You don't even have to say it out loud, you can just think it. And he's so powerful, he can read your thoughts. But just pray something like this in your own heart between you and God. Look, God, I know I've sinned. And God, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and call it mistakes or dysfunctional behavior. I have straight up sinned. But right now, the best I understand it, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay for my adoption. And I choose to be your child. I long to be in your family. Thank you for loving me and allowing me to choose you. Welcome into my life. God, I want to thank you for those who just prayed that to you and meant it. And God, I also acknowledge that there are many of us who have been adopted a long time ago. We have walked with you, some of us for months, some of us for years. But today is a day that we repent. Today is a day where we say we're not satisfied to stay where we've been. Today is a day where we say we're going to throw away the old spiritual sneakers and put on the new ones. We're going to repent of our laziness and put on the new that's willing to work for you. We're going to put away our selfishness and stinginess and greed trying to buy stuff to impress people that don't care about us. And we're going to start being generous to things that matter to your kingdom. We'll put on the new. God, we're going to put away these old habits of sin and we're going to engage in community and be a part of a tribe uh, so that we can put on the new, that we, where we have people that help us put on the new. We're no longer going to try and do this alone, but we're going to live in community like your word tells us to do. Some of us are going to quit sitting around and being just takers and consumers, and we're going to go sign up to serve here in the church to help others. God, I pray that whatever you're bringing to mind by your spirit, that we, your people, who know you and know way better than our selfishness, that we would make the choice to put on the new today, as I pray this, God, I sense that there are some husbands in this room that are going to throw away the old in the way that they've treated their wife, and they're going to put on the new and go home today and ask for forgiveness from their wife. There's a wife that's going to go home and ask forgiveness of her husband to put on the new. 
There is a parent who's going to go home to a kid and say, look, I hadn't been there for you, but the best I know how, I'm going to put on the new and I'm going to be there for you. There's a kid who's been completely rebellious and not appreciated the love of your parents and you're going to put off the old and go home today and put on the new and say, mom or dad, I love you. I'm so sorry I've taken your love for granted. I want to put on the new. Father, I thank you for the many different things that you're doing in our hearts today and in our lives today. Make us new, and we're going to bug you every week. We're going to cry out to you every week because we want to be new. Thank you for your grace to us as a people that you would accept such as us. We do not take it for granted. And we pray all these things in the power and the name of the precious Lord Jesus. And for his sake, everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.